Good morning. It's good to see everyone this morning. It's been a while since I've been here, and I just want to take this moment to thank the congregation for their love and their support during this this difficult time in our lives over the last few months, and and you have been very much appreciated in your words and prayers. I've been asked to talk to you a little bit about marital communications. How many of you here are married? Let's see see a show of hands here. How many married couples do we have? How many of you have been married more than five years? How many more than ten years? We've got quite a few. How many more than fifteen years? Any more than twenty? We're starting to narrow it down now. How about thirty years? I'm right at the brink. (laughs) Thirty years? 60. 60 years. Anybody more than 60? Man, my wife can't imagine being there that long with one man. (laughs) 60 years. You know, when you first get married, you never think about 60 years from now, what is our life going to be like? When we first got married, it was, what are we going to eat tomorrow? And then it was, can we afford enough to go get a burrito at Taco Bell for 39 cents. That was our first year of marriage. I don't know about years, but it was a it was kind of a rough rough year of marriage and the one thing that we had difficulty and issues with uh, we thought we had solved. You know, when when we were engaged, we thought, you know, let's uh Let's just write things down in a book. When you really make me mad, instead of yelling at you, I'll write them in my journal and then I'll give it to you to read. You ever read someone's writing? <laughs> she come back and said, what did you mean by this? <laughs> it's incoherent. I said, I was mad. I don't know. Um, but I found out that, that there's a lot of things going on that in the marriage we don't really think about. And we're not really taught about how to be married. How many of you went to a premarital class before you got married? Did you learn anything from it? A lot of times mine was with my Uncle Jerry. And uh, he sat down and he said, Alright, I want you to understand that y'all are going to be learning how to talk to each other. And we looked at each other and said, Do what? We'd been talking for ten months. I mean, we're ready to get married. And we did What we find is that a lot of couples, even though they think they've got it all figured out, we find that they don't really have it all figured out. And you, I began to look at, at some of the things that she would say, and to me they meant something totally different than what she meant. Have you ever wondered how we can say the same thing, two different people, and mean two different things? For instance, if you come into your husband, lady, and you say, I have nothing to wear. And he walks over to the closet and he says, What do you mean you've got nothing to wear? There's 15 dresses in here. 14,000 pairs of shoes. And I don't know how many slacks and shirts. And What do you mean you don't have nothing to wear? When he comes in and says, Honey, I have nothing to wear. She looks at him. And his friend sitting next to him says, Oh, you hadn't done laundry either, have you? (laughs) 
But the girlfriend comes in next to the wife and says, Oh, honey, don't worry. We're going shopping tomorrow. You can go with me. We'll get you something new to wear. And what she meant was, I have nothing new to wear. What he meant was, my underwear hadn't been cleaned yet and I need a fresh pair. But they said the same thing. And what I found was is that we don't hear the same way. We don't see things the same way. We don't, we don't talk the same way. And as I began to look at that, I began to look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33. You've all read it. You've all heard it. You have maybe heard it in sermons or maybe you've studied it personally. Maybe in your premarital counseling this verse came up. Matthew 5 verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You know, one day I was reading that verse and wow, something really bold came over me and I said, what, what is he talking about here? Why would he tell the husbands to love their wives? And why didn't he tell the wives to love the husbands? And you know what I realized? We get something told to us that we need in Scripture. Husbands, you need to learn to love your wives. You know, it's not like the old farmer who was in marital counseling. The wife says, he doesn't love me. And the counselor looks at the old farmer and says, what do you mean? Do you love your wife? He said, yeah, I told her so 30 years ago. Why do I have to keep repeating it? And the fact is, is that women need to be loved. And unfortunately for us, we're not really good at showing and providing that supportive love that women are looking for, that women need. In fact, what, it, what I got out of this is that women look at love a lot differently than men do. There was a writer out not too long ago that talked about the five love languages and how we each receive love. And I learned a lot from that because what I thought of as love received was not the same as what my wife thought of as love received. Although I would do many wonderful things for my wife, that did not speak the language of love to her that she needed to hear. And although she did many wonderful things for me to show that she loved me, that wasn't, it wasn't what I needed to say that I love you. You see what I'm saying? So we find some things that are interesting in this verse. And the first thing we find is that women need love like they need air to breathe. And men need respect like they need air to breathe. And it's interesting that women understand love and in our culture today we're trying to make everybody love like women do. Men don't love like women do. In fact, love to a man is different than love to a woman. Love to a man is shown through respect and women don't get respect. And so I find here in Scripture that God is speaking to men and He says, men, you need to love your wives. And I thought, well, that's great. How do I do that? Because apparently the first five years of our marriage, when we got down to the fifth year, and they always say within the first five to seven years is when you start really analyzing your marriage. And my wife came up to me one time and she said, we were having an argument. And I said, what is it really? And she said, where did the passion go? 
I said, do what? She said, where did the passion go? You used to do this and we used to do that and now it's you come home, we eat dinner and we go to sleep. That was within five. I didn't get what she meant by that at the time. She didn't get what I meant when I said, Honey, I feel like you just smother me all the time. I feel like I need air. And she didn't understand that. And so we found that that our communication wasn't as good as what we thought it was. And so we began to, to work on that. And there are people who have helped us through that and helped us learn uh, how to love each other and how to communicate that love effectively to each other. You know, the aim is to manifest love and respect towards each other. When a man feels like he's respected, that equates to loving to him and he was more likely to love his wife. And when the wife feels that she has been loved by her husband, that equates to, to him loving her and she's more inclined to be respectful of him. And so we find as we look at this scripture then that there's a lot going on that maybe we hadn't considered before. Now I want you to think about the typical marriages right now. I call most marriages to be in that crazy love cycle in America. And the reason I do that is because we don't know how to be married unless we go to Scripture and find out what God says it means to be married. Because, let's face it, if you had a really good example of a mother and father and, and a good example of marriage growing up, your idea of marriage is totally different than that of somebody who had a very bad experience growing up watching their mother and father and how they were married. And then you get two people who've had that as examples and their friends and their family and they bring all that together. They get married and they say, this is how we're supposed to be married. And she's fighting and she's ready to throw down or he's ready to fight and throw down all the time. The other one may be very submissive and trying to keep peace. and It's called bringing baggage into our lives. And how we communicate is brought into our lives the same way. And God says there's a way to communicate to each other that will help. It's not perfect for all of us because, let's face it, we're human. I do not always communicate perfectly with my wife. I like to think that I do, but she lets me know that I don't. We've been married 29, 28 years. Going on 29. We hadn't made 30 yet, but we're getting there. And the fact is, is that when we started looking at this, we found ourselves in this, this crazy love cycle. You know, it's very interesting how that there's a lot of things happening in America and even in the church that shouldn't be. And specifically in the church. You know, the problem seems all too frequent today. They, what was once funny and cute when you were first married is now... Well, an annoyance or grating on your nerves. You know, used to it was you could squeeze the, the toothpaste in the middle and your wife didn't get upset about it. Now she just gets you your own toothpaste because she can't stand the fact that you squeeze the toothpaste in the, in the middle. And she doesn't. She rolls it from the end. And what was cute before, leaving your socks all over the place, guys, isn't cute to her anymore. She wants you to pick up after yourself. 
And what was once wonderful how she kept the house and kept you in line is now getting on your nerves because she's always wanting you to do something when all you want to do is sit down and put your feet up for a little bit. And so we find that things are getting in our, our way of our understanding and loving each other. We have in this society a concept of falling in love and falling out of love. And I think that's a wrong concept about love. Far too many see no hope in their marriage anymore. They feel like all they do is fight and that all they do is complain and all they do is try, try, try. And they see no hope left in their marriage. Many contemplate or even go through divorce. And from the beginning, that was not to be the case. And yet, we have others who, and maybe you know some, they stay in a marriage for the kids' sake. An understanding that, that instead of a marriage that brings joy and hope and glory to God... That's supposed to be the nearest thing to heaven on earth because in Ephesians 5, Jesus is comparing the church and His relationship to the church to that of being married and a husband and a wife and their relationship together. Do you see how we're supposed to have a fulfilled life in our marriages? Even in our general communication, it helps. And yet many Americans, many people in the church do not have that. We enter what we call the blame game. We blame the other for our actions as justification for our behavior. Have you ever thought about that? I got interested in Michael this weekend. He was talking, we were talking about this kind of issue, and he says, You know, I, I have to tell my kids when they say, Oh, she just made me so mad. I said, No, she didn't make you mad. You reacted in a mad way. You're in charge of your feelings and how you respond to those who aggressively come after you sometimes. And, you know, brothers and sisters tend to do that. Unfortunately, we bring that into the marriage and we've got husbands and wives who are aggressively going after each other. So, what do we worry about? All of those things that we talked about, we find that are not helping anything at all. And we find ourselves floundering and we don't understand how come my wife never respects me? And ladies, to be honest with you, you don't understand respect the way a man does. And we're going to get into that a little bit. But guys, they're wondering how come you don't love me? And gentlemen, I'll be honest with you, you don't understand love the way she does. Things are different. God made us different. Why do we have such problems then? Part of it's our selfish nature. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing is there. Think about what he's saying here. In most marriages, we're not taught that it's a partnership to rely on each other. We don't see the fights that go on in the bedroom, the arguments and the discussions. As kids, we don't know that most of them are about us and who's being too harsh on who or who's not being harsh enough or how our finances are going. We could go into finances growing up and how it's never really taught in the home either. And those of, those of you that are, I commend you because we need that kind of teaching in the home. But 
when we start seeking self in a relationship with our spouse, it's going to disintegrate. And we're going to have issues. Let me suggest something to you. I want you to think that we're different. Men and women are different. Not wrong, just different. You know, I was... Again, I'm going to use Mike and Carrie. They talk about the language in their house that they've started changing just a little bit. And, and you know, one of them says, it's freezing in here. And the other one says, no, it's not. It's cold in here. Or it's hot in here. And they said, you know, we were always arguing about if it was cold or hot. And now they say, it feels cold in here to me. And that one change changes the direction of the whole conversation. We're different. And believe it or not, God made us different. He made us where we don't have the same wiring. And if you look at this, I, I get a kick out of this deal because, you know, men are one-track mind, one button on or off, we're ready to go. Women have all these dials. They have all these little buttons. And they have, you know, all kinds of things that confuse a man so much we're not sure where we stand half the time. And I think they like that. But we're different. Let me propose to you that because we're different, we see the world differently. When you look at what maybe a man, think of them as, as blue. I know, pretty simple, right? But they see the world through blue eyeglasses. They hear through blue hearing aids and blue uh, earphones. They talk to the world through a blue megaphone. And when blue talks to blue, it's perfectly understood. But women are even more different. They talk through a pink megaphone. They see the world through pink eyeglasses and hear the world through a pink hearing filter. And so when blue talks to pink, all you get is dissonance, white noise. I used to get tickled at watching Christopher when Don would get on to him. Sorry, sweetie, but you know, when Don would get on to him, women have to make sure you understand what they're talking about. And so they tell you that same point 15 different ways to make sure you get the point. And after about way number two, Christopher's face would go totally blank. And I'm sitting over there going, honey, you lost him after the second example. But she had to keep telling him. Because she wanted him to understand. And she says, why didn't he understand? I told him. I said, yeah, and he's turned it off about number two. He either got it or he didn't. We're different. And when he hears all that all the time, we begin to react to that in probably a lot of negative ways. In fact, in ways that may come out very unloving. You see, when we look at what the paramount needs of a woman are and of a man, if you remember that, and the hard part is remembering it in your, your anger or displeasure or your frustration, most of it's frustration more than anger, but you find that there are differences and if you can remember that there are differences and that they receive things differently than you, not wrong, just different, then it's not going to be as bad as you would think. You know, God specifically charges each person typically those things that they lack. Uh, that, that doesn't mean that other things aren't beneficial or even necessary, but uh, it means that the things that are important or, or what's 
well, they call it the contextually primary. Basically, it means that let's take Ephesians or First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse one. It says, "Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and, I, and have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal." He goes on to say, "And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all love, all faith, so that I can remove mountains." But have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. All of the things that he talks about here are important, but without love, they're meaningless. So the, the primary concern here is about that love. And so we need to look at what God is specifically talking to men and women. Not that the other parts are insignificant, but that the things that are primarily of concern to God need to be concerned to us. Okay? Let's look at women for just a minute. And I start with women because they're better, they're prettier, and they like to get in line behind us on purpose as we try to push them to the front. You know, God made women differently. And women above all else, the, the primary concern of women is they need love. Not that you don't love them, but they need love in a way that shows them that you love them. 1 Thessalonians 2.7 But we are gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Why did he write that? He didn't write just as a man loves and nourishes his own children. He wrote women, mothers, and children. And Have you ever watched a, one of those shows where there's danger involved? The man rushes headlong into danger. What does the woman do? She steps back and she grabs that child and she brings it in close and she protects that child. We're not getting anywhere near that. The man takes all of his fear, stuffs it in the basket over here and he runs headlong into danger because there's somebody that needs help. Same situation, different reactions. Women are different. They're built that way. God built you pink. And even though America wants everybody to be blah, the truth is, is that you women are different and that's okay. He wired us differently. He made us differently. He made you to be a help for us, not to be one of us. So everything is a little different. Look at what it says here in Colossians or in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19. It says, "Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them." You know, after a while you look at a husband and you think, "Well, that guy's henpecked." And every time she says something, he starts building up this this wall. And it begins small with little groundwork and pretty soon there's pebbles and pretty soon there's bricks. Then there's mortars and pretty soon there's just his nose over in the relationship and every time she speaks, he's putting in another brick because he's already conditioned himself to not listen. Why does he do that? We're going to see that in just a minute. They were to agape their wives. And you know, that doesn't mean because they deserve it. That means because... You're to love them regardless and without thought of recompense of reward. I love you 
if. I love you when. I'll love you as. And that's not the language that Scripture uses on how women are to be loved. Guys, women are to be loved regardless of whether they love you or respect you back. God did not say love them because they respect you. He said love them because they need love. And that's your responsibility as a husband in that relationship. Look at what he says here in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Husbands likewise dwell with them as under, with understanding, giving honor to the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Did you ever think that your prayers, gentlemen, could be hindered because of the way that you treated and loved your wife? You know, up until recently, until a few years ago, that never really clued in to me. It never clued in that the way that I treated my wife could affect the way that God listens and treats me. And so, gentlemen, we need to look at how God wants us to love our wives and how our wives feel loved. Now, ladies, I'll give you this, that most of the time men are not out to ruin your day. You know, there comes a time in everybody's life where they get comfortable with each other and the husband is always looking for a way to love you. We just had the holidays. How many of you have hit the... You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you ladies have hit the holiday 10 or 15? <laughs> you used to call it the freshman 15. When I went to school, I made it the freshman 30. But, you know, over the holidays, your wife comes home and she says, I feel bloated. I feel fat. I feel ugly. And you say, Honey, you look good to me. Oh, you're just blind. Look at this. I mean, I've just got... It's just all over. It's terrible. And you're thinking, if I open my mouth again, it doesn't matter what comes out. It's not going to be right. And guys, you're thinking in the right direction. But the next day, you find yourself at the grocery store and you find this magazine and you think of your wife not because she's fat but because you want to help her and you do what you probably should never have done and everybody does it at least once you buy the magazine for her. this will help her and you bring it home and you're unloading the groceries and she pulls out this and says what is this well, I was in the store and, and I was in line and I saw this and I thought of you. Yeah. So that's how you feel about me, huh? You feel like I should be a cheerleader. This is what she sees of herself, right? You don't love me unless I look like a cheerleader, unless I lose another 50 pounds, unless I can wear that little little outfit that you like when we go out to special occasions that I can't fit into anymore. You don't love me unless I look like a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. And that's how she interprets the magazine that you got out of love and a desire to help her. What just happened? The guy's sitting there going, I don't get this. That's not the intent of all that, was it? But when she brought that out, she stepped up onto the crazy cycle and she began to think to herself, He doesn't love me. 
I'm feeling unloved. And when she feels and perceives the lack of love, she tends to react without respect. Because the way that she blew up at him and, and totally just went crazy on him. He did not understand and he felt very disrespected. Here I am trying to help and all you can do is, is just jump all over me like I was yesterday's bad dinner. Oh, so now you don't like my cooking, do you? You see how it can get crazy? And you know, the sad thing is, is people think this is normal in most homes. Let's look at the men for just a minute. Above all, men need respect. Men are biologically wired this way. It is something that God has built into them. And that's why He says in Ephesians 5, Ladies, you need to respect your husbands. Yes, He tells the men they need to love their wives. But ladies, you need to learn to respect your husband. How is that? Let's look at what it says here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 and 18. It says that the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree that's in the midst of the garden thou may not eat, lest you die. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper meet from God. God's setting up society. And to be believe it or not, ladies, you weren't the first thing on God's mind for us. He was hoping a chimp or a dog would do. But apparently they weren't right for us. He did not want us to be alone. And so He created woman to be a help to man. That was right for man. That was meat. A help meat for man. And so He created woman. Believe it or not, you look totally different than the men. And you act different than the men. You were there to complement the things that we lacked. And don't be sitting there saying, yeah, and let me list them out for you too. <laughs> we know we have shortcomings, guys. It's okay. But the truth is, we were wired totally different on purpose. That's how God made us. Not wrong, just different. We see the world differently. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 through or 11 through 14, it says, Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over men, but to be in silence. For Adam was firm, formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. And you say, Aha! That's what I needed right there. Ammunition, guys. That is not ammunition. <laughs> That's a warning. Submission is not surrender. You cannot force your wife to respect you, nor can you force her to follow you. To follow is a voluntary thing. To submit is to voluntarily place her authority under your authority. They give that to you. You need to be worthy of that gift. But ladies, you need to learn 
that that gift does not mean just doing anything you want to do, but it's actually loving out of respect for your husband. That's what is love to your husband. And so we need to learn to respect. And this is a whole whole series of... The Bible actually talks about what it is to love and what it is to respect and what it is that we need to do. And I don't have time to go into all of those things, but understand a man needs that. Your husband needs to feel that you're respected. You know, they did a study of men who made millions and millions and millions of dollars. The top 10% wage earners. And you know what they found? That most of them had the most unhappy marriage because one, they didn't love their wife and two, they never felt respected by their wife. They never felt respected. One lady went and watched her husband. She went to work to see her husband. And as she walked into work, she told the secretary, says, I'm here to see my husband. And she said, just one moment. And she called back and she said, sir, your wife is here. He said, I'll be right out in just about five minutes. I need to finish up this meeting. She said, yes, sir. She turned to the wife and said, he'll be here in about five minutes. She said, I'm his wife. He said, she said, he'll be here in about five minutes. When he was done, about five minutes, he came out and the guys that he was having a meeting with all left. All